What does it mean that God created us to be like Him? The answer is, well, everything. Join me, Pastor Hook, as we look at all the wonderful possibilities from being created in the image of God. We are going to look at Genesis 1 and some implications of Genesis 1. I know this sounds crazy. We just did Genesis. Um, what we did that at the beginning of the pandemic, we went through the book of Genesis. We went through Matthew and then we went through Genesis. But when we got to Genesis 1, there was just so much stuff there that I thought, oh my goodness, we could do just a whole Bible study on Genesis 1. And we should do a Bible study on Genesis 1 because it is so pivotal in understanding how God created us. And so I'm going to spend probably not more than a week, but it could be more than a week. You never, never, you never know. Just taking a look at Genesis 1 because it has so many implications for what's going on in the world today that I feel, and I didn't do it when we were in Genesis 1 because I'm like, you know, if I go down this path, it could take a month and we don't have time to go through Genesis. If I spend a month on Genesis 1, people are going to freak out and they're going to say, if it took a month to get to Genesis 1, how long is it going to take through the book of Genesis? I mean, we'll be here for years, but it's just Genesis 1. I just want to go back and look at a couple things in Genesis 1 because it is pivotal. If you'll remember, a Genesis, and actually I'm not even going to go through all of Genesis 1. I'm just going to go through a particular part of Genesis 1. How's that? Um, because if you'll remember, in Genesis 1, we are as God created us. We haven't fallen yet. We are, we are His creation, the epic of His creation. We are the pinnacle of His creation. And he talks to us as his creation. And I just want to, I want to look at Genesis 1. And we're just going to look at verse 24 on, 24 and following. This is when God creates man. And I just want to take a look at this real quick. So let's take a look at Genesis 1, beginning at uh, verse 24. Uh, actually, we're not going to, we're going to do verse 27. So here we go. Um, but just before we get there, God's created every, you know, he's created the heavens, the earth, the stars, the sun, the moon, the atmosphere, and then he creates plants and he creates animals. And now he's going to create the pinnacle of his creation, which in Genesis 1 begins at verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, and every tree that has fruit with seeds in it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw that he had made, and it was very good, and there was evening and there was morning, there was the sixth day. So I just want to say, there's so much here. I think we all long as, as humankind to be back in the Garden of Eden, right? Heaven to me, if I have an image of heaven that sticks in my head, 
It is a glorified, perfected idea of being in the Garden of Eden. So when I go out into Sienega Creek Preserve, which is this preserve that's to the east of me, that has a spring feeding it, that has a river running through it, they have these beautiful trees that are full and lush and there's grass and I know there's deer that live in there, there's bear that live in there, there's there's uh, coatis, I've seen coatis in there, I've seen raccoons in there, I've seen bobcats in there, I know that there's probably mountain lions in there, um, I mean, all the different animals that God created, I just feel like they are outside in the, in the wilderness and, and that I am in the Garden of Eden. Now, all these animals that I'm talking about, particularly mountain lions, bobcats, bears, and all those, you know, they could come and attack me. So I'm not quite in the Garden of Eden because there's always that threat that I could die. But when I'm sitting there in Cienega Creek, maybe up on a hill or, you know, overlooking just this beauty that God created, um, it, I, f- I feel connected with God in a way that I can't possibly even describe to you. I feel like that I'm his beloved child, that he loves me, that he cares for me, and that I'm, I personally, David Hook, am the most important person on the face of the earth to God at that moment and that I'm just sucking in, just just breathing in his beauty of his creation. And it just gives me a hint and a foretaste of heaven, but it also looks back to what the Garden of Eden must have been like. I mean, can you imagine there's uh, this scene in Jurassic Park, the very, very first Jurassic Park, where they go on to Elon Ela, I can't remember which Ela it is, but you know one of those aisles in, in islands in Costa Rica, and it's got all this green grass, and all of a sudden there's all the dinosaurs, right? And the doctor um, comes out and he and he looks and he sees the green grass and the mountains and the clear blue sky, and he sees dinosaurs. He's seen something he's never seen before ever that hasn't existed on the earth for millions of years, right? According to him, and. I just feel like the Garden of Eden, I have no idea how big it is, right? I mean, it could be, it could be huge, right? Um, that there's this, this just incredible beauty and something that, we've, that just speaks to our heart uh, on a very, very deep, deep level. And it's more than that. It's more than just the beauty of the creation and the water. It's also that he gave us food now, what kind of food was in the Garden of Eden that we were eating? Well, he says it's it's every you know green plants. I mean, so God has fruit. He has green plants. He has everything that we need as humans to sustain ourselves. Where it was in the Garden of Eden. Now you know people are vegetarians today, right? There are people who say I don't want to eat meat. I just want to eat vegetables. And for the most part, you can kind of do that. But there are two amino acids in your body that only come from your bodies can't produce them. And, um, and you have to be very, very, very careful if you're on a vegetarian diet that you eat enough of different kinds of things so that your body can produce the essential amino acids, which eventually go to the proteins. Because there are certain things that you need, vitamins, minerals, and amino acids that you need in order to survive. But I would like to think that if we could survive in the Garden of Eden, that there was a food in the Garden of Eden that was so good for us that it replenished us and had everything that we would need to survive. That 
and maybe that food doesn't even exist anymore, but maybe the seeds of that food exist. <laughs> oh my goodness, you just think about that. You know, if we could find the Garden of Eden and find those seeds or right outside the Garden of Eden, you know, because we were kicked out of the garden, maybe that food existed right outside of the Garden of Eden. Um, that it was the longevity gene food, right? That if we would eat that food, uh, it would heal the lysosomes in our body that cause us to age, you know, improperly. We know that in Genesis, there was somebody, Methuselah, who lived 900 and something years, 950 years. There are 968, 948, I don't know. Anyway, there was a person, Methuselah, that lived for a long time. And that person lived, I mean, probably had access to the food before the flood. Maybe that whole food source was eliminated in the flood. I'm just... I'm just vamping here because I think about these things that that there that maybe we can live to a thousand years if we had the ability to eat the food that was in the Garden of Eden that made us live a very long time that we just don't have that food. But maybe science will find it at some point um, because God put us in the garden and he gave us two commands, just two commands. Well, first of all, he made us male and female. That is not surprising that we're created in his image, male and female. Every other animal in the animal kingdom is created in male and female. And we know that the male provides certain genes and the female provides certain genes. Those genes come together and create a new creation. Now, all of creation does this, right? All, the birds do it, the, the animals do it, I mean, even plants do it. I mean, all of these different parts of creation come together. You need the male part, you need the female part for them to come together and create new life. And every other part of the creation does this, which means that mankind does this also. And we are created in the image of God. What does it mean to be created in the image of God? We're going to spend some time in that this week. But part of it is that we get to procreate, right? We get to, as a species, donate part of our DNA and then donate somebody else's part of the DNA. And those DNAs come together and we get to create life. I am amazed at the fact that we get to create life. And in the test tube, you know, scientists have been trying to create life for how many years? The scientific method, what is life? How do we create life? Um, how do we, you know, manipulate life? You know, understanding DNA and all that sort of thing. You know, can we do gene therapy while the child is in the womb? I mean, all those kind of questions come up for sure. But the simple fact is that we as a human species created in the image of God get to create life. And we have this massive brain in our head that allows us to follow the second, the, the two commands that God gave us in the Garden of Eden. And I want you to just listen to them. They're the Eden commands. He says, be fruitful and multiply, increase in number, Fill the earth, and then he says, subdue it. Rule over the fish, the birds, the sky, every living every living creature that moves on the ground. In other words, everything in this earth, we are the pinnacle of God's creation. We have this super brain that God gave us that allows us to be 
created in the image of God. When God created mankind in his image, he doesn't create us like the lizard or the javelina or the bobcat or all these different animals. He, we have control over our environment in a way that no other animal does because we're created in the image of God. And because we're created in the image of God, he tells us to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. That is a command of God. Why? Because he created us in his image to be able to have children, to create children, to, to love them in a way that the rest of the species of this earth cannot love them and, and provide for them and, sub, you know, and rule over our children. I mean, it's probably not a great way to say it, but we, because they are our children, because they come from our DNA and we love them, that we get the great blessing in this world to rule over our children, to basically have children and to be almost like God in their life to them at a way that all the other human, you know, all the other species are not like that. We get to love our children and we get to raise our children we get to subdue the earth and subdue the earth with our children. There's something about the way God created us in his image that is different from every other animal on this earth in that we get to have, we get to create life and then we get to be almost like God in raising that life and growing that life and being intelligent human beings to that life, which is different it's, I know that other animal species, like elephants, have children that they love, and but they are helpless because they've got a smaller brain. We, as a humankind species, have ability to love and raise our children in a way that no other species has. And that is a great gift from God. It is a huge gift from God. Unlike any other species on earth we get to have children and raise them and nourish them and help them to grow and then at some point we get to watch them or they get to leave home and have their own children and raise their own children and the and i guess we'll end with this my children are all now grown, right? My son, oh, and if you didn't hear, my son uh, is engaged. So he's going to get married here pretty quick. And so I'll have three out of four um, in that category. And they, at some point, these children will have their own children. But it's not until your children, you know, you raise them in the, you know, the heat of the battle, right? You know, raising your children for 18 years, you just the heat of the battle, but then they go off to college and you look around at your life and you say, what else in this world could possibly compare to the joy of having children, right? And there are lots of things. I mean, you, there's other things you can do in life. Don't get me wrong. But when you've created life and raised that life and then see them leave and you realize that, that is the, there is nothing in this world ever that will compare to 
having to having children. I mean, just and and I say this, um, I have had the great fortune to do some amazing, wonderful things in my life that I'm not going to get into, but um, I have I have been very very fortunate to be in some very very good locations to be able to do some amazing things. None of them compare to having children. To, to raising children is the greatest joy, the greatest blessing to is, and you don't even, I mean, you realize it when you have them at home and all that sort of thing, but when they go off and you look back and you reflect on what was that whirlwind that we just had, you realize there's nothing in this world that has, that is even comes close. There's nothing in this world that could come even close to the joy of having children and raising children than seeing them leave. Um, it is as close to, God as we get in this world, right? Having our brain, having children, raising those children and being master, you know, parents being loving and caring, compassionate, master over those children. There is no greater thing. And so when God says, you know, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. And he's calling mankind to do this. Um, it's, it's, hard there are a lot now there's a lot of pain involved and we'll get into that but but back then it was a no-brainer and they they didn't have any of the pain from childbirth or supplying the needs of the children all that sort of thing and so god when he gives this command it's not because of anything else than god loves mankind he created mankind in his image and he wants mankind to experience the joy of what it's like to be in the image of God, which is to subdue the earth and to be fruitful and multiply. So um, we're going to talk about that a little bit because the implications of, the, of that are just huge. And our society today, I think, has forgotten this. And the world around us, I think, because we are so impressed by science and technology and we can solve so many of the world's problems, we've forgotten this great command from God, which is very simple. Be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth. So I think we'll go ahead and close it at that. And um, would you join me in prayer? Gracious God, for the blessings of this day, thank you so much. Um, thank you for the for the javelina that I saw today. Thank you for the beautiful weather. And Lord, continue to be with our world as we continue to struggle and get out of this COVID thing. And Lord, thank you for creating us in your image so that we could get a taste of what it must be like to be you. Um, all this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.